0: Welcome to Our Soul, a podcast by Kelly Fox and Terry Williams from the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice.
1: So it would not be a week in repro without a little bit of drama. And uh, for those who have been living under a rock or who don't work in repro, which is frankly the vast majority of our listeners. Hi, everybody. There was some drama in the repro rights, uh, health rights and justice world this week um, big article splashed into the Atlantic magazine, which is always great when, um, you know, large news media outlets report on abortion work, but it's not good when they report on abortion work in ways that are full of stigma and shame and a little bit of drama. So, really, really great organization. Plan C Pills was represented by their co-founder, uh, Francine Coiteau. Uh, she made some really really rough statements about how self-managed abortion is being dealt with in the repro world um it it really gave a a negative view of how the rest of repro is promoting or in francine's position not promoting self-managed abortion i think the the article had some part of the title that said um you know self-managed abortion the thing nobody's talking about And of course, I'm over here, we're over here at Ohio RCRC, we talk about self-managed abortion literally every month, right? Self-managed abortion in good faith, we have a training every month, I'm talking about self-managed abortion every day, I think self-managed abortion is fantastic, and I'm nobody, and that's all right, but like, it was very interesting because she made these statements about... Um, clinics in particular and abortion funds and just kind of gave this blanket statement that said, Oh, clinics and abortion funds aren't talking about self-managed abortion either because they don't trust self-managed abortion or because, and she just kind of like, you know, let it hang out there. This, this cloud as if um, clinics and abortion funds want everybody to be anxious about abortion. Her, her quote in the, the article was literally, you know, maybe these folks are just not talking about self-managed abortions so that they can continue the anxiety and the fear around what happens to abortion access, which, of course, is ridiculous because anxiety and fear is something we all have plenty of right now in Repro, yeah. especially clinics, especially our funds. And it was fascinating that the article didn't quote anybody from, you know, an abortion fund. They didn't reach out and do like a survey of abortion funds or take a look at what people are doing. We here in Ohio could easily tell them that all of our clinics um, advise, uh, you know, people of a full range of options, and that our abortion fund is very pro-SMA. Um, but I, I thought it was—I thought it was really interesting that. This article comes out, and it kind of lays bare the the two parts that our repro experience right now, and that's what we want to talk about today. You know, the anxiety that everyone has around what the future is going to look like, and frankly what the present looks like in terms of reproductive health rights and justice in the United States, and the way that repro-orgs are dealing with their anxiety in ways that might be counterproductive and or harmful to partners. You know, Plan C Pills, really great organization. Now, you know, Francine had to come out with some, some apologies this week because she really stepped on the toes of some people who are doing great work. And I, I don't know, Kelly, like, I'm, I'm sitting here just trying to do the best that I can for the people in my community. I know that's what you're doing as well. Like, How are you feeling right now?
0: Yeah, I think um, one thing that this kind of reminds me of is the tendency that I think everyone just has to um, assume things about people without actually asking them. And I think most of the time, you know, they say like clarity is kindness and uh, being able to be upfront and be like, okay, this is the way I'm feeling. But also asking people if that's uh, accurate is is just really important and highly underrated, you know, uh, in the last week, actually right before this, um, this article came up in the Atlantic, I posted a blog about caring for yourself as a way of caring for others and how we need to kind of be able to, to check ourselves in the midst of everything going on. Cause it's like, you know, it, if it wasn't this, you know, repro drama and the, uh, the constant attacks on, um, our rights to, uh, reproductive health rights and justice, um, then it's, you know, seasonal depression, or it's the fact that we are in a pandemic that's been lasting far too long, or, you know, all of these pressures, and on top of that, like, state oppression, like, there are a lot of things that would cause people to kind of be in a place of um potentially harming each other and so i think right now it's just super important to especially when working
1: with others uh be really clear absolutely and i i think for me the advice that you gave in your blog which was masterfully written we'll put it in the show notes i took a lot of it to heart because frankly like we all need to be reminded of these things your advice in that blog around listening to your woes I think you you mentioned in there that that comes from Adrian Murray Brown's emergent strategy book It wouldn't really be a podcast if we didn't quote Adrian Murray Brown right um, but um, the this concept of having woes which are are you know people who are working on excellence people around you who are working on excellence. And they're people who I'm just going to quote from your your blog here. It says, um, "I have a set of woes that is people who know my north star, who know my challenges, and who hold me accountable to my own development, celebrating my self-awareness and growth." Now that's that's you quoting Adrian Marie Brown. I'll, I'll be clear on that. Um, you know these are these are people in our lives who can can really help hem us in and help us understand like okay, this part of you right now is not living into your best self, right? Um, I feel like in so many ways, um, we we just need to like call our our sister Francine in with Blancy pills and be like, Francine, you need some woes, honey. Like you need, you need some people around you who will tell you when the anger that is inside of you does a lot of harm when it comes out unintentionally at people you love, right? Because I'm sure that Francine Coito is mad that more people don't know about self-managed abortion. I'm mad that more people don't know about self-managed abortion. But the reason that people do not know more about self-managed abortion right now, at least in my context in Ohio, is because we have horrendous people in the state legislature who are stigmatizing abortion every single day. We have horrendous, quote-unquote faith rights groups who use faith tithe money and offering money from churches to fund disinformation and horrendous stigmatizing billboards all over the state, right? like There is an organized group of people who are not, mind you, abortion clinics and abortion funds who are strategically trying to keep people ignorant. Abortion clinics and abortion funds are not the people folk need to come for. Um, I, I, want, I want to take a minute and just read Francine's, because I, I want to make sure that we're, we're giving due diligence to folks. I want to read Francine's response this week that was posted all over Plancy's social media. Um, Francine, in response to the big blowback that happened from the Atlantic article and the real hurt that was done, the harm that was done to relationships um, across the repro world, Francine had these words. She says, I have deep respect for the organizations and clinics on the front lines and stand in full support and solidarity with them. What Texans are facing is urgent, deeply problematic, and cannot be solved by education and access to pills alone. My quotes in the recent Atlantic article were indeed divisive, and I feel terrible about the harm I caused. Our team is putting in place actions to address this as we speak, and I thank all of you who have reached out with ideas on how we can do better, more to come. Um, I, I'm interested in, in your perspective, Kelly, because when I read that, like my, my pastor brain says, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> like, um, talking about your quotes as having been divisive and done harm is very different than saying, I harmed other people, whether intentionally or unintentionally, I harmed people and I am sorry, right? Like that That seems to be what's lacking in this and, and so many other apologies, right? Like what what's your perspective on that? You, you heard those words from Francine, what's your perspective?
0: It, it feels kind of like a, I'm sorry my words came off that way, or like, I'm sorry you feel that way. But that mm. also is not is not the way that, um, at least ethically, that we should be in communication with each other about uh, the harm that we may or may not have uh, intentionally caused. Regardless of if it was intentional or not, uh, I think that the first step to having like a healthy conflict where we're all adults and we're all taking responsibility for our own words is, you know, if someone was harmed, then you harm someone. Mm. It's not like, I'm sorry it came off that way, or I'm sorry if you felt that way, but that wasn't what I meant. Like you, your, your words came off as harmful to someone and therefore you harm them. And your first step is to admit that you harm someone and then go from there. You can ask them. I think like, you know, talking about like uh, you know, wanting advice on how to do better. I mean, you probably should be getting that advice like privately and not necessarily just like generally asking people for that. But um, you know, uh, wanting to do better and and wanting to make sure that in the future you're not wording things in such a way that it may be uh, it may be harming people. That's that's all well and good, but it has to start off with like I. By saying these words harm someone and for that I um, am sorry and I want to move forward and do better and I recognize you know uh, I think one thing that, that she could have said as well is uh, recognizing you know what what kind of parts of herself led her to say things that could be quote-unquote divisive and um, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's okay to, it's okay to be hurt. Like, it's okay to, you know, we're all, you know, upset that more people don't know about self-managed abortion. However, what's not okay is to blame the people who are supposed to be on your side for, the, uh, the harm that you're experiencing. And I think, um, one thing that we don't do often enough, and another thing that I mention in the blog that we're talking about, um is just having a a moment to check yourself and like the woes are super important having people that you know like when they when they say that something's wrong you pay attention because they know you and they know your signs and they know when you need to take a break or when you're letting your harm affect your relationships with other people but also um i mentioned in my blog uh talking about making a self-care plan and I thought about putting my self-care plan on there, but honestly, I, I think it's a little personal for me and I don't necessarily want to share that with everyone, but a couple of things that I have on my self-care plan, I actually just added a new section about the signs that I'm not caring for myself. And I think that we need to be more cognizant of the ways that, you know, uh, if, I'm, if I'm not constantly checking to see if I'm okay, what are some signs that are kind of obvious to show that I'm not okay? For example, for me, um, you know, being uh, or not eating or not showering, like that's kind of a sign that something's wrong. And I think not often enough, we are not checking for uh, signs of distress within our own selves in the same way that we might see it in other people.
1: Absolutely. And I, you know, for me, as a as a pastor, one of the, the key disciplines that I was taught early on in my student work was that you need to be evaluating your relationships with other people and making sure that you're not holding on to stuff. You know, lots of different relationships in uh, religious work in particular, and frankly, in movement work more broadly. And when you have a relationship with somebody, that is that is your bond, that is your your currency, the way that you move and you live in the world, right? We thrive when each other thrives. Um, The idea that you've got Sister Francine out here, who obviously is a little frustrated with somebody who's affiliated with the clinic or somebody who's affiliated with an abortion fund, because she is lashing out at those organizations, those institutions, from a place of very real frustration. That tells me that somewhere along the way, her relationships with somebody got out of whack to the point that she is now defensive toward those institutions. And I think what's really critical for us in in repro and in movement work more broadly, we have got to bring our problems to people when they happen around what the real problem is and we've got to be upfront from day 1 there is not really space in this movement work and frankly we don't have time in this movement work to be sitting around waiting for people to come to us and oh you know how are you feeling well i'm i my feelings were a little hurt and i'm a little frustrated and i'm a little worried and no we need to be upfront and clear and direct with people to say listen all this is great, you know, 87% of this work was fantastic, but, you know, this 13% over here really hurt me, and it's frustrating, and it's problematic, and I'm worried about it. I love you, and this is the struggle, right? We've got to get better, I think, as as a whole people, as a society in polite uh, white supremacist America, right? We have to get better at directly calling each other in around the things that we're frustrated about because it's not fair to folk to hold on to that stuff until it boils over and finally comes out, you know, in some Atlantic article with some really snarky quotes, right?
0: Yeah, and I remember also, uh, you know, I, I remember when I was a pastor uh, also having, you know, some healthy boundaries training, and I remember when I first went into those um, thinking that it would all be around, you know, you uh, making sure that there's no sexual misconduct and things like that. But also another part of that is having boundaries with your own mental health and your own traumas Mm -hmm. and things like that. And honestly, I think that kind of training is something that more people need, especially in the midst of movement work. We are constantly, especially for those who are, you know, more, uh, or talking to more to those who are directly affected. Um, Like, we are constantly in contact with our own traumas and other people's traumas. And if we're not careful, we end up picking up more and more pieces of other people's pain and holding on to that. And again, like you said, like, then it ends up, you know, what might have been, like, one or two small things that you're holding from somebody else that you've been um, talking to or reading their story uh, can turn into like a a mound of pain that you end up inflicting on other people unintentionally and if you're not you know aware of the ways that you may be holding on to something that someone else was carrying um then you you don't even know where it came from you know and i just remember having these conversations about that that was kind of the beginning of uh my therapy thursdays for For people who know me personally, I've gone to therapy on Thursdays for the last, like, two years pretty consistently. And kind of the beginning of that, um, or the beginning of me going consistently to therapy was in those conversations around, uh, discerning my call to ministry and what that looked like. Because I understood that, you know, knowing my own personal traumas and knowing the ways that, um, Especially, I've been taught to, you know, be nice and like, not tell people my pain because I don't want to make them uncomfortable or anything like that. The little habits of white supremacy that um, we hold on to even if we don't think we are. Uh, I realized that for my personal uh, work, if I wanted to not be throwing my trauma at other people, I needed to have that consistent conversation with someone about what I'm holding on to and how that affects my relationships, um, and in all the caring professions, which I think that movement work is a part of the caring professions, um, there needs to be conversation about those boundaries and how we can check our own boundaries and keep them, uh, somewhat, I mean, like, somewhat flexible because movement work, you, 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 you want to hear those stories and you want to be with those who are directly affected, but also you need to be able to, uh, disconnect from that at times if you're going to take care of yourself.
1: Yeah. And I I think it's critical in all of the work that we do, no matter, no matter what work you are doing, if you're listening to this podcast, no matter what work you're doing, you have to be make sure that your own trauma is not coming into the places where you want your best joy and your best love and your best care to be. That is, you cannot, in a traumatized state, continue to care for other people without tending to your own trauma. You're going to bleed all over the people who you're trying to be present for and support and, and do good work with. Um, you know, I, I look at the article in The Atlantic when you read it in whole. Um, it's very clear that, you know, Francine Coito has this idea that, uh, you know, the world's going to be saved through uh, Plan C pills, right? Like her, obviously, she's very passionate about her organization. She's passionate about self-managed abortion. And I am with her that, you know, it's a great system. It's a great process. It's a great offering to the world. It is, however, not all inclusive. You cannot solely support self-managed abortion at the expense of every other kind of abortion care because we know that it's not enough. It takes everybody in the struggle. And when we as movement workers are able to see our movement work in context to where we see that we are not Unimportant, but we are not above others in importance, right? It takes the whole community to work the whole liberation. When you're able to see yourself in that context, it frees you from the anxiety of, I must get my way. I must prevail. People have to see it the way I see it, or they are wrong. And for me, I have struggled my entire life dealing with that concept. You know, if you are not like me, you are wrong. And I call that concept fundamentalism, right? Whether it's Christian fundamentalism or any other brand of fundamentalism, the idea that if you are not me, you are wrong is one of the most dangerous and harmful ideas that gets put into practice in the world and especially in our movement. We get these purity movements of, I am right and you are wrong and I am going to prevail at your expense No matter what, when the reality is we all have to exist at this world with a multiplicity of ways of getting to the future we all desire. There's no one single path, uh, you know, to get there. And there are a lot of paths that get us everywhere else, right? Right. Um, you, you can't, you can't look at it like it's a binary either or system, you know, you're either with us or against us. Well, there are a lot of paths to get to the top of the mountain, but there are a lot of paths to get to the bottom too, right? (laughs) So we've, we've really got to be discerning. We've got to have, have our woes, have our, our self-care plan together and have an idea of where we sit in context with the rest of the world.
0: And I think also that, uh, you know, having that, going back to talking about bleeding on, um, those that you're trying to care for, uh, leads to actually the third part of my blog. Wow, we've essentially gone over most of it, but I do encourage you guys to read it again, uh, or read it anyway. Um, but the third part is to know when it's time to take a break, and it it can be really hard to know when to take a break, because with the pressures of the world, with, the ways that, um, you know, especially in the repro world, it is, seems like a, it is a continuous attack on our rights to uh, bodily autonomy. And um, when it feels like the other side is never taking a break, uh, to be able to know when it's time for you to take a break can be difficult. But to go back to kind of what you were saying about how um, we need to be willing to understand that there are more than one ways we also need to be understand that we're not the only people who can who can do a job or can do uh the work. Um I I kind of had this discussion with myself um a few years ago when I was thinking about again going back to the pastor thing, you know, um I I made the decision that being a pastor was not where I uh being a pastor in a traditional sense is not where I saw my life going and um, in the midst of that, I knew that my church was in great need of uh, somebody to, to be there and to continue um, to give them service. And I, the question I kept asking myself is, like, if I don't do it, then who's going to do it? But the truth is, somebody is going to step up and fill that hole. Like, if, if it is necessary that something happen at a particular time, even in the midst of uh, you needing a break, like, somebody will step in and fill that if it needs to be filled. Um, but it is more important that like, you know, like if you are feeling traumatized, if you are feeling, you know, um, down, if you're dealing with seasonal depression, even if you're just sick, uh, like take time off. We talk about taking time off here, but like it is especially important if you're not wanting to bleed on other people, if you're wanting to truly, you know, do the work for uh, the movement, uh, take time to care for yourself so that you're, you're not like, you know, it'd be like if you were uh, literally bleeding on people, like if you continue to go to work when you had an open wound that wasn't being taken care of, that is just irresponsible on your part
1: spiritually that's where we are right people have these open wounds that they are bringing on to other people they are causing other people to get bloody and ill um and it's because we have as as a movement we've forgotten that the movement is a marathon not a moment right again fundamentalism tells you that it's about the moment it's about the moment of transformation and that transformation happens in a single moment and we must be present for that moment and there's this deep anxiety for that moment and the movement says no no transformation happens every moment and every moment is a rich possibility but it's also not the be-all end-all you are not that important that you absolutely cannot miss a day of work you are not that important that if you're not there the system will fail you are part of a greater cosmos that has got it going on you are important in this system you do not have to sacrifice your life your health your well-being your your mental acuity for this system to continue and to thrive it's okay Mm -hmm. indeed it's important to take time and to heal Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. and I think that like we you know we get so caught up in this this kind of uh, toxic capitalist expectation that you have to keep going and that you have to push through and that you know you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps or whatever but um if we're trying to fight the you know the state oppression the system that we all understand is not working for us, it has to start with us changing the way that we work with ourselves. And I think one key part of that is being able to, you know, have people to keep you accountable, um, have ways to keep yourself accountable and take breaks because that's not something that this, like white supremacist capitalist system is um, encouraging us to do. So we have to encourage ourselves it's very difficult and i'm not saying that it's not difficult but uh it is important if we're going to do something better and something different then we have to you know start with ourselves um if we're you know so we can be good carers of each other and good carers of the movement
1: absolutely we've we've come to the end of our time together today but um definitely definitely take some time care for yourself during this week you who are listening light a candle for francine coito and anybody else who's ever said something they regret saying in public and pray Mm -hmm. for all of us who are wounded healers on the journey as we go